Roman soldiers mocked Jesus and beat him in the Praetorium. Now, what in the world am I talking about? This is Bible Discovery TV. Welcome. Good afternoon, good morning, and good evening. My name is Rod Hembrick. And I'm Janice. And I want to tell you something that we're going to study this in about five minutes. So stay there because it's a really good one. Ryan is here. Ryan, what's going on? Well, you know, there are at least nine instances of specific individuals being raised from the dead in the Bible. So the question is, what sets Jesus Christ's resurrection apart from these? Well, that's a good question, and I'm going to attempt to answer it in about 15 minutes. All right, we'll look forward to that. Janice? Today I want to talk about amazing love. Excellent. Very good. We have a guest today, Jim Canelon. Jim, you're going to talk as well, if I like. Well, yeah, if you let me. Uh, <laughs> not, not that I want to, but you know, I'll do my best. <laughs> Join us in about uh, 20 minutes time. We're going to be talking to Jim Canelon. In the meantime, open up your Bible and let's look at what God says to us as we begin to study. Matthew 27. 27 through 44. Then the soldiers of the governor took Jesus into the praetorium and gathered the whole garrison around him. And they stripped him and put a scarlet robe on him. When they had twisted a crown of thorns, they put it on his head and a reed in his right hand. And they bowed the knee before him and mocked him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews! Then they spat on him, and took the reed, and struck him on the head. And when they had mocked him, they took the robe off him, put his own clothes on him, and led him away to be crucified. Now as they came out, they found a man of Cyrene, Simon by name. Him they compelled to bear his cross. And when they had come to a place called Golgotha, that is to say, place of a skull, they gave him sour wine mingled with gall to drink. But when he had tasted it, he would not drink. Then they crucified him and divided his garments, casting lots, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the prophet. They divided my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. Sitting down, they kept watch over him there. And they put up over his head the accusation written against him. This is Jesus, King of the Jews. Then two robbers were crucified with him, one on the right and another on the left. And those who passed by blasphemed him, wagging their heads and saying, you who destroy the temple and build it in three days, save yourself. If you are the Son of God, come down from the cross. Likewise, the chief priests, mocking with the scribes and elders, said, He saved others. Himself he cannot save. If he is the King of Israel, let him now come down from the cross and we will believe him. He trusted in God. Let him deliver him now, if he will have him. For he said, I am the Son of God. Even the robbers who were crucified with him reviled him with the same thing. Matthew chapter 27, verses 27 through 44.
You know, Matthew chapter 27 and 28, this is really interesting. The end of the book of Matthew, which was designed for the purpose of teaching the Hebrew people exactly what Jesus did. As we reflect on the ministry of Christ, it is undeniable that much happened on and before the cross of Jesus Christ. One of the points for us to highlight is the way the military of that day, the military ridiculed and mocked Jesus during his trial and his crucifixion. Also, the religious leaders took their turn to mock him, saying, well, he saves others. Himself he cannot save. If he is the king of Israel, let him now come down from the cross and we will believe him. Matthew 27, verse 42. These are some of the elements of the crucifixion that are easily missed. Now let's note here that Jesus Christ did in fact come down from the cross. In fact, he rose again three days later in the flesh. Even so, those who consistently mocked him could not and would not admit that. And there are those who still hold to that belief. No matter what naturalistic or conspiracy theory arises, none of them, none of them have been able to fully explain the historical elements of the resurrection. Now, this is a great victory because the resurrection of Jesus Christ is critical and undeniable as a part and essence of Christianity. I mean, think about it. That's exactly why Christians today celebrate. I tell people that, and people, you know, have argued with me about the Sabbath day and all of that. I tell them, listen, the first day of the week, which we call Sunday, that first day of the week, I come and I worship Jesus in church because I celebrate his resurrection. His resurrection. Very important. Here is the guide. If you don't have a guide, why not? You can write or call or go to BibleDiscoveryTV.com. When you go to BibleDiscoveryTV.com, it takes you to a page for donation. Thank you so much. Let me just say, I very much appreciate your donations. They are very good, and we thank you for them. That's how we live here. So it's how we pay the bills and everything else, just by the offerings of God. So thank you so much. And it takes you to a page that's downloaded, and it looks like the print copy. So you're seconds away from joining us. The crucifixion. Wow, this is an important time to really understand. And let's pray in the name of Jesus Christ. Father, I, I ask today that you would help us to hear you and help us as we study your crucifixion, Lord. This is important. We need to understand what the Holy Spirit says to us. So the Holy Spirit is inside of us, those of us who have invited you into our heart. Those of us who, ha who have not done that, Lord, encourage them to do so. And may they make that move today. Thank you, Lord. As we study the word, teach us your ways and show us your paths. In the name of Jesus Christ and all of us said together, amen and amen. Hello to my friends in Africa, by the way. It is good to be with you today. All right, let's go to Matthew chapter 27, verse 27. Here is what the scripture says. Then the soldiers of the governor who took Jesus to the praetorium and gathered the whole garrison around him. And they stripped him and put a scarlet robe on him when they had twisted a crown of thorns and put it on his head, thorns on his head, and 
a reed in his right hand, they bowed the knee before him and mocked him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews. And then they spat on him and took their reed and struck him on the head, beat him. And when they had mocked him, they took the robe off him and put his own clothes back on him and led him away to be crucified. Wow. The Roman soldiers ridiculed and mocked Jesus with a royal robe and a crown of thorns. The King of Kings and the Lord of Lords allowed himself to be humiliated for us. Beloved, God did this for you. You. God did this for me. This is personal. This whole thing is personal. You know, the crucifixion isn't something that stands over here and it's a third. No, no. This is personal. Have you dealt with this today? Do you understand what Jesus Christ did for you? Because that's really important. Let's read on. In verse 32, it says, Now as they came out, they found a man of Cyrene, Simon by name. Him they compelled to bear his cross. And when they had come to the place called Golgotha, that is to say place of the skull, they gave him sour wine mingled with gall to drink. But when he had tasted it, he would not drink. Then they crucified him and divided his garments, casting lots that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet. They divided my garments among them and for my clothing, they cast lots. Sitting down, they kept watch over him there. And they put up, or they put up over his head, the accusation written against him. This is Jesus, the King of the Jews. We witness the fulfillment of the words prophesied in Psalm twenty-two, eighteen: The garments of Christ were divided and auctioned off. Everything about Jesus Christ was prophesied. We have to understand that. And this is what Matthew does when he writes his book. Because we need to understand that God has made this clear. He said, my, my son is coming. He's coming. And he came. And he did exactly what he was called to do. That's very important, beloved. Let's keep that in mind. Let's go and learn the last part of this 38 to 44. Then two robbers were crucified with him, one on the right and the other on the left. And those who passed by blasphemed him, wagging their heads and saying, you who destroy the temple and build it in three days, save yourself. If you are the son of God, come down from the cross. Likewise, the chief of priests, mocking with the scribes and the elders said, well, he saved others himself. He cannot save. If he is the king of Israel, let him come down from the cross and we'll believe him. He trusted in God. Let him deliver him now if he will have him. For he said, I am the son of God. Even the robbers who were crucified with him reviled him with the same thing. Jesus Christ was crucified on the cross, but would return alive from the dead three days later. See, the Lord Jesus has fulfilled the law and prophets. It's now up to us to decide. It's up to you. 
You're the one who has to decide. We're not deciding for you. You don't have to call an 800 number, do anything. You make a decision right there. Do you believe Jesus Christ is the Lord? If you do, pray with me and say, Lord, forgive me of my sin. I'm a sinner. I need your help and I need your hope. I believe you died on the cross and rose again alive in the flesh. Come into my heart today. This character of King Saul, this historical figure. Now, I think it's probably fair to say that most of us, when we think of King Saul, we think of the bad guy foil to King David. But an entire book of the Bible is also dedicated to mostly his reign. Of course, that's 1 Samuel. So I'm really excited to jump into it today and see what we can learn about Saul. Welcome back to the program. Today we read Matthew chapters 27 and 28, and my segment focuses specifically on chapter 28, which is all about the glorious resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. And you know, this momentous event brings up a very important question, and that is what sets Jesus's resurrection apart from all of the other raisings we read about in the Old and New Testaments? Well, there is a massive difference. Check it out. Within the biblical record are at least nine instances of specific individuals being raised from the dead. Three of these are found in the Old Testament and include the raising up of a widow's son by Elijah in 1 Kings 17, the raising up of a Shunammite woman's son by Elisha in 2 Kings 4.35, and the raising up of a man whose lifeless body merely touches the bones of Elijah in 2 Kings 13.21. In the New Testament, there are six occasions of specific individuals being raised up. Of these, three are performed by Jesus himself, including the raising of a widow's son at Nain, the raising of Jairus' daughter, and the raising of his friend Lazarus. Similarly, in the book of Acts, Peter raises Tabitha, and Paul raises Eutychus. And then, of course, there's the momentous raising of Jesus Christ on the third day after his death and burial. In addition to all of these, there is a group of dead saints that rises out of their graves between Jesus' death and resurrection in Matthew chapter 27. While all of these miraculous raisings are a truly magnificent testimony to the power of God, they also beg an important question. What is it that sets Christ's resurrection apart from all the others? A key passage is 1 Corinthians 15 verses 20 to 23. As one notable Bible scholar explains, here, Paul says that Christ is the firstfruits of those who are resurrected. But what about those who were raised before his resurrection? What about those in the Old Testament, or the ones Jesus himself raised? Wouldn't they be the firstfruits? Not according to Paul. Jesus was resurrected, never to die again. All those others who were brought back to life were raised, but they would eventually die again, to be raised a final time with all those who belonged to Christ at his second coming. The quality of the resurrection was something very different from the resurrection Jesus experienced. In addition to all this, Jesus' resurrected body had new characteristics, which his pre-resurrection body had not possessed. He was able to appear and disappear at will, and he ascended to heaven in his physical body. None of these other people who were raised had yet received their new resurrected bodies. They were raised in their mortal flesh and blood bodies that they had previously died in with the expectation that they would die again. 
This is why the resurrections are really resuscitations, while Jesus was resurrected in the very fullest sense. The physical bodies of these others were resuscitated, but Jesus was resurrected with a body that was recognizably his own, yet radically transformed. Thanks be to God that those of us who are in Christ will also receive radically transformed bodies that will not be subject to decay or death anymore. So we can see that Jesus' bodily resurrection was entirely different than all the others. These others were brought back to life in their, their original mortal flesh and blood bodies. It was more like a resuscitation, but Jesus' rising was the first true resurrection. He rose in a new kind of body. Though still physical, this new body had special properties, and it was a body that would never see death again. And the fact that Jesus' resurrection was considered the first fruits means that those of us who are in Christ will also rise in this fashion when he comes again. So if you haven't put your faith and trust in Christ, then what are you waiting for? Yeah, that's really important. So make sure that you are able to do that. <clears throat> Just pray and say, Lord, <clears throat> forgive me of my sin. I believe you died on the cross and rose again, and I give my life to you today. When you pray, you close your eyes and bow your head because you're removing all of the external things that can interfere with what you're saying to God. And he will respond if you're serious. So pay attention to that. Thank you, Ryan. Janice? Yes, well, on uh, as Corey's on maternity leave, we have our special guest, Jim. Now, Jim, the viewers would not know that as a little girl, my pastor was your dad, right. Homer Cantillon. And I had titled this segment, Amazing Love, and just before we started to tape, I said, you know, I can remember we were going through memories of your dad. Even now, I think of him as my pastor. And um, he was such a giant to me. He was so big. And we'd come out the doors and his big hand would just fold over my hand. But one of his favorite songs was Amazing Love. Yeah. Remember that song? Yeah, how can it Am be? Amazing love, <laughs> how can it be? Yeah, he would belt it out. That yeah. thou, <laughs> my God, yeah, six, six foot, die Six foot three, me. 280 pounds. And he just would, like you say, he would just bellow yeah, that. And yeah. I can still hear it. Yeah. And um, But as I'm reading through, the portions of scripture. It doesn't matter how many times I read it. It it brings me to tears and it brings me to my knees recognizing what Jesus went through. Yeah. From the time in the garden spent in prayer knowing exactly what was going to happen. Mm-hmm. And then going into face the religious leaders then going into Pilate, and then being mocked, and just being quiet, being tortured. And that was for you and for me. That was, what kind of love, what kind of amazing love does that take? When you read these scriptures, slow down and really read it, and let it sink in as much as it will hurt. Because as you read through the scriptures and you see the love that Jesus showed and shows, when you see the torture that he took for you and me, the silence, when he could have come down from the cross, 
when he could have uh, resisted the, the temptations, the things that the people were lobbing at him and the, the wagging and the head nodding and the, the mocking and the foolishness of humanity, that he would still let himself go to the cross and die for us is overwhelming to me. It's overwhelming to me, Jim, and no wonder that your dad, that that song, the old hymn, and there's been other versions that have come upon it, but I'm telling you, it's no wonder as a believer, as somebody who knows and loves Jesus Christ and is a follower, it's no wonder that that song is one of his favorites. You mentioned the cross. Uh, um, Our view is very impacted by artistic compressions of the crucifixion. It's always a hill with three crosses up on the hill. Yeah. Uh, Jesus was probably crucified. Um, Calvary, Golgotha, was a rock quarry. It's still there. It's now the Jerusalem bus station. I've been there many times. Lots of ammunition there for stoning people to death, just outside the Damascus Gate. And it was uh, centrally located right on the road to Damascus. But the interesting thing about the crosses is that they weren't up on top of a hill. They were down at the base of the hill. And they were jammed into the ground. Either it was a you know a, a vertical piece of wood, or sometimes it was a, a tree that had been cut down. Sometimes an actual, sometimes an actual tree, depending what part of the country they were crucifying people. But they were crucified at eye level. They weren't way up here. They're at eye level. Their feet were hardly off the ground. Okay, why was this? So that people could go by and look them in the face and spit in their face and abuse them verbally. And what's more, they were hanging there naked. So, total shame. And, you know, you mentioned torture. Crucifixion, the whole point of crucifixion is torture. The uh, Romans got it from the Persians and the Phoenicians. Uh, they, 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 the, they lay you on the cross piece, the petabellum, petabellum, as it's called. And they, they nail you into it, and they put ropes around to keep this part of your body uh, suspended. And then they nail that to this vertical piece and then they raise you up and slam it into the ground okay and your feet are nailed as well and because of the weight you're trying your natural reflex is to support your weight with your with your with your legs right hmm. well i mean have you ever stepped on a nail yeah can you imagine trying to support yourself with nails going right through your feet hmm. and nails in your hands and and because of the uh, weight as you're hanging there and, and, and leaning forward, it constricts your lung capacity, and so it's difficult to breathe. Uh, your back is already shredded because you've been, you know, uh, scourged. scourged big time. Jesus' case, his head was bleeding too, and there's no uh, blood like a head wound. So, you know, and 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 while while he's there, people are coming by and mocking him. He said he was a son of God. Let's see if he can save himself. You know, who is this guy? This big phony here, fake news, big time. This guy, and they're spitting. That some of them would be throwing. It really appealed to mean spirited people. Mm-hmm. Very few people looked on this with with compassion. Um, but uh, that was the horror of crucifixion. It was torture. It really was. And the thing about it is, generally, it would take two to three days for them to die. And so when Jesus died, you know, he was crucified at nine. He died at three in the afternoon, so six hours. Uh, when Joseph of Arimathea came to request the body of Pilate, Pilate said, what? He's dead already. How's that? Yes, he died. Uh, and here's the point. Ryan's talking about the crucifixion, or the, the resurrection. Our faith, as moved as we are by the passion of Christ, you know, the suffering of Christ, mm-hmm. Ultimately, he was buried and he rose again. Mm. 
And if Christ be not risen, then our faith is in vain, the Apostle Paul said. What does that tell you? Our faith in Christ is rooted in history. It's not rooted in what he's done for me or how good I feel about him. Oh, Jesus, I love you. Okay, that's all good. But the point is, your faith is rooted in historical event called the resurrection. And I've been in the empty tombs. There's two of them. <laughs> one's Roman Catholic, one's Protestant Evangelical. I don't care which is which. I've been in both of them. I love them both. But I, I've spent hours in both. Um, he is not there. He's risen. You know, you, you, you can go to the tombs of some of the great, you know, religious leaders in history, and their bones are there. Jesus' bones are not there. He rose. And as Ryan pointed out, uh, he rose in a very remarkable way where he could just access the heavenlies and access the earth without any se seamlessly, basically. And uh, that's what awaits us. What's interesting is that Jesus Christ appears to the disciples and he eats with them. Mm -hmm. yeah. So he's taking food. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then he disappears. Yeah. yeah. But he's not a spirit. That's, that's, that's what the eating no. was about yeah. as well, to, yeah. to prove to them that he wasn't and he's just a the, spirit. And he's, he's the fruit of the, of the firstborn. Like, what in the world? You know, that, I'm really pleased about that because if there's anything I love in this world, it's eating. <laughs> 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 you know, and, and the Bible talks about the marriage supper of the Lamb. I, I don't know how digestive systems work in, in, in a glorified body, but the fact of the matter is that... Um, uh, Jesus ate, so why won't we? <laughs> exactly. That's exactly right. Now, if you have enjoyed the words from Jim, he has written a commentary here. He has a television program. And in the last few yeah. seconds, Jim, yeah. would you tell the people where they can get that? Yeah, this, it's called Canelot's Casual Commentary, uh, the, a 21st century guide to the life of Jesus for the internet generation. There's Jesus holding an iPad. <laughs> uh, it's 520 pages. Matthew, Mark, Luke, Acts, and John. You can... Uh, Access it at wowmission.com or jimcandelontoday.com or just go to your favorite uh, online uh, retailer, Barnes & Noble, um, Amazon, every, all around the world are carrying it. Yeah, it's very good. So make sure you do that and join us again tomorrow. Today, I want to encourage you to come to the Lord, come back to the Lord. And if you've never come to Jesus Christ, this is the time to do it. Pray with me and say, Lord, I need you. Forgive me of my sin. Please make your Holy Spirit known in my life. Help me today. I believe you died on the cross and rose again. And I take you as Lord of my life. In the name of Jesus Christ, and we said together, amen.